Hello, welcome to the fifth episode of the Redeeming Productivity Show. Um, before we get into it, I wanted to let you know about a new feature we're going to be having. Um, if you have questions or suggestions or ideas for topics or you just want to say hello, please send me an email at mailbag at redeemingproductivity.com. That's mailbag at redeemingproductivity.com. And I, I will look at those and, and hopefully in future episodes be able to address um, ideas, questions, things that uh, you guys say. So please send me mail. Um, and also, uh, just wanted to let you know, be sure to check out the companion blog post uh, that's in the show notes after you listen to this episode. Um, but that's it. Let's get on to the show. This is the Redeeming Productivity Show, where we talk about technology, techniques, and theology in the light of Scripture to help Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. I'm your host, Reagan Rose. Do you remember in school learning about the difference between renewable and non-renewable resources? Does that jog a memory? You remember that things like fossil fuels, like coal, oil, natural gas, those things that, that once you use them, they're gone, right? They can't be recycled. They can't be used again. They're non-renewable. But on the other hand, you had these renewable resources, those things which uh, the supply of which is, is technically infinite because they can be replaced or reused again and again. Things like water or wood, you know, you can grow more trees or, or solar or wind power, right? The, and, and the renewableness or non-renewableness of a resource had an impact on it, that resource's economic value. You're like, Reagan, I thought this was a podcast on productivity. Why are you talking about seventh grade earth science? Well, this is what we're talking today about is, is this episode is about the most valuable resource on earth. And, and this is true of most any resource. The value of it, like in all economics and macroeconomics, is in part dependent on its scarcity, right? This is true for gold, or for diamonds, right? Those things are beautiful, but there are lots of beautiful things on earth that are more common. What makes gold and diamonds and things like that really valuable resources is their rarity. So knowing these things are true in, in, in life, in economics, in, in the physical world, what would you say is the most valuable resource on earth? What's, what's the rarest, the least renewable commodity that we have? I think that if we think about it, it's not something physical. The, the rarest, the most non-renewable commodity that there is, and, and in fact the most valuable resource on earth, I think that the answer is time. Time is the most precious resource on earth. And as Christians, understanding the, the scarcity and, and the value of, of time that ought to affect how we employ this priceless asset in our lives to God's glory. So today, with the help of my dear dead friend, Jonathan Edwards, uh, I want to take a look 
at, at, a, at a brief phrase from Ephesians 5.16, and it's a common one. You probably know it as redeem the time. And from this phrase, actually, is where I drew the inspiration for the name of this, this show and the blog, Redeeming Productivity. Okay, so we're talking about Ephesians 5.16. Let's, let's get a little bit of context here. Context is important when you're studying the Bible. Otherwise, you're going to mess it all up and come up with conclusions that are not actually what the biblical authors and the Holy Spirit intended. So what's the context of this passage in Ephesians 5? Well, before we understand the phrase, redeem the time, um, we need to understand that, that backing up just, just one verse here in Ephesians 5 verse 15, the Apostle Paul, who wrote Ephesians, begins his section talking about walking in wisdom. And there's all these different walks that, that Paul talks about in Ephesians um, chapters 4 through 6. And this one, walking in wisdom, is where it's in that context that we have this instruction to redeem the time. So we might say this, one of the ways in which believers are to walk in wisdom is by, as the ESV puts it, making the best use of the time or redeeming the time. That's how we can be wise with our lives. That's one way. And that phrase, making the best use of, use of, um, like it says in the ESV, is actually just one word. So, you know, redeeming the time, which a lot of translations render it, that's good because it actually carries the idea of buying um, or, or buying back or buying out, which is what the, the, the Greek word conveys as well. It's a term for, for buying slaves in order to set them free. It's the same term Paul actually uses in Galatians 3.13 uh, when he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And similarly, he's using it in our passage in reference to time, right? Redeeming the time. Colossians 4.5 also says uh, similarly, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. The apostle is saying that, that one way for believers to be careful in how they walk, to be wise in how they walk in wisdom, is buying up the time. We're to buy up all the time we have been given so that we can use it for the Lord's service. In other words, there's not a moment to spare. We'll also get it in the negative, making, making the most of the time or redeeming the time or buying up the time. That's the opposite of delaying, of procrastinating. It's, it's taking full advantage of every opportunity before us to do good and to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And, and I think that we find when we look back to believers of the past that they took the Christian life a lot more seriously than most modern Christians do. Can I say that? Oh, I think I can, and I think I just did. You, know, you look at the way that they lived their lives, and, and it's just hard to deny that they, they are much more serious about obedience to the Lord, about living their entire life to God's glory, than so many of us are. 
And that's why I think it's important. It's important that we read um, believers from the past, that we read men like Augustine or, or Luther or Edwards, who we're going to look at today, and, and, and observe how seriously they took the commands of God and how they explained the things of Scripture so that we can have a well-rounded um, appreciation for uh, the timelessness of God's Word and, and just how those um, brothers and sisters of the past uh, lived um, their lives. And we can take examples of that. And one such example is actually the 16th century reformer Philip Melanchthon. We'll get to Edwards in a minute, but Melanchthon is interesting in that how seriously he took the command to redeem the time. It's said that he jotted down every day each wasted moment that he had throughout the day. And in the evenings, he would take that list to the Lord in prayer and he would confess as sin every moment of wasted time. Man, it, it kind of seems extreme, doesn't it? But, but the truth is, when, when you value time as precious, as a resource entrusted to you from God, as something to be stewarded, something of greater value even than the money you have that you are charged with stewarding to God's glory, you're going to see the waste of that it's a terrible, terrible crime. And like I said in the introduction, time is the most precious resource on earth. Even non-renewable resources like oil or, or some of these other things you pull out of the earth, given enough time, those things come back. You know, all those fossil fuels are these things that have decayed and, and they've been crushed under pressure and whatever. I'm not a scientist, but I know that it's carbon and it comes from dead stuff. And so even those things, given enough time, you can get more of them. Oil, water, gold, diamonds, all of these natural resources have, throughout history, been the cause for so much bloodshed and, and strife and, and greed, and people want those because men recognize their value and they put a high price on them. They esteem them as valuable. But so many of us do not see time the same way, do we? No, we, we blithely just fritter away hours of our lives each evening on meaningless television shows, staring into the abyss that is our phone screens, or otherwise just, just wasting it, just wasting time. And, and hear me, hear me. I'm not saying that those activities are wrong in and of themselves, that, that entertainment or that is, is, is always bad or, or that you should never relax. No, I'm not saying that. But, but, I, but I am trying to point out that the casualness with which we dispose of the hours of our lives belies our true valuation of time. Okay, now, let me have my first guest on the podcast join me. Uh, we'll be joined today by Jonathan Edwards um, from the 1700s. Now, he couldn't join us live, so I'll have to read some of his words from his 1734 sermon on the preciousness of time and the importance of redeeming it. And, and the reason I want to talk about Edwards on this is, I mean, just a personal note here, this, is, this sermon is in large part why I'm even interested in productivity, Christian productivity. The first time I read this sermon, it literally brought me to tears because I was so convicted by how much time I wasted. 
and and how many years of my life I had given to worthless pursuits instead of taking all the Lord has entrusted with me and, and trying to glorify him with every moment. And so this is a very important, important sermon to me, and I think you will likewise um, gain something from it. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I, I did from, from one of the sections, he gives four reasons for why time is precious. And I want to review those four reasons with you just kind of briefly. If you want to, and I, I recommend that you do, I have a, a link in the show notes to a, a blog post that kind of covers some of these these four things Edwards gives. And at the end of it, I formatted a PDF of this whole sermon. And I encourage you, it's free. You don't even need to give an email or anything. It's just free at the bottom. Download it, read that thing, and weep. <laughs> okay, Edwards on the preciousness of time. Okay, do you know who Jonathan Edwards is? Yeah, he's he's the American Puritan. Um, he's probably most well known for um, that sermon, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God." But that's there's a lot more to him than that. He he uh, compiled the, the diary, diary of David Brainerd. He he wrote the Freedom of the Will. Uh, he's he's probably one of the the greatest thinkers of all time, especially on the Christian life. Read Jonathan Edwards. But, okay, that's who he is. Here is the four reasons that he gives for why time is precious from his 1734 sermon on the preciousness of time and the importance of redeeming it. The first reason that Edwards gives is, he says, first, time is precious because eternity depends on it. Right? So we have this limited amount of time on earth before we die. And it is in this time and only in this time before we die that uh, on which our eternity depends, meaning you have to either repent and trust in Jesus Christ now before you die, or it can never be done. And, and so the point Edwards is making from that is that just shows how precious the time on earth we have is because all of eternity depends on what we do in it. If if we repent and trust in Jesus Christ by faith, are forgiven for our sins, and God grants to us that eternal inheritance of heaven, th- that can only be done here in time. And if it's not done, then the fate of that person who has not believed is, is eternal damnation. So, so that points to the extreme preciousness of time. Okay, so... First, time is precious because eternity depends on it. Second, Edward says, time is precious because it's very short. So not only does eternity depend on it, it's also precious because it's brief. And like we said, supply and demand drives the prices of resources in the natural realm. And the resources which are scarcest, those are deemed the most valuable. Well, consider the scarcity of your time. James says that our lives are but a vapor. And the psalmist writes, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Selah. That's from Psalm 39, verses 4 through 5. Man, my, he's praying, Lord... Help me to know my end, so to consider my uh, my death, memento mori, to to 
uh, know what the measure of my days is. He wants he wants the Lord to impress upon him. He's praying the Lord would impress upon him how brief his life is, so that he will will live with that understanding unto the Lord. And Jonathan Edwards writes to this effect: Time is so short, and the work which we have to do is so great that we have none of it to spare. The work which we have to do to prepare for eternity must be done in time, or it can never be done. Time is precious because there's so little of it. Not only, like he said in the first point, does our eternity depend on it, but, but for the believer, the, our, our reward, our um you know, the, the, the Bema seat judgment rewards, how, how we glorify God in this life, that, that uh, weight of glory, that well done, good and faithful servant, that depends on how we employ the time that we're given. And it's so short. It's so short. So we don't have time to waste. That's Edward's point. We don't have just this huge abundance of time that we can just be like, ah, I've got so much extra time on my hands. I'll just waste it and spend it. You know, I, let me kill some time. No, don't kill time. Don't kill it. It's so valuable. Use it. And then the third reason Edwards gives for why time is precious is because we do not know how much we have. The third reason time is precious is because we don't know how much we have. Okay, so, so notice this. this. This point is slightly different from the second one. The second one was that time is precious because it's short. What Edwards is saying here is it's short and we don't know how short. He writes, we know that it is very short, but we do not know how short. Well, I just said that. Come on, Jonathan. Keep up. Um, and this is kind of what, what Moses is saying in Psalm 90 verse 10, right? He says, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. He's just reflecting on how brief life is and, and we're not sure how brief it is. Because the truth is, right, none of us knows when our clock will be up. We're not guaranteed a long life. And we're not guaranteed that the physical and mental capacities which we now have will even continue through the duration of that life. That's not something we can count on, right? So, so you think, I'll get to it later, right? I'll get to it later. I'll, I'll, I'll do those things later when things slow down a little bit. But you don't know if your mind's going to be all the way there. That's something that I, I'm... I'm Maybe I'm a bit neurotic, but that's something I'm always thinking about. I want to write and 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 record things and 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 do things now and minister now while there's energy in my bones and and while there's some some might argue uh, differently, but but while my my mind is still sharpish, you know, I, I I want to do those things while those faculties are still available to me. And not only that, more importantly, is I don't know if I'm going to die tomorrow. I don't know how long the Lord has me for here. And so because I don't know that, it means that I need to, I need to act like that's true and, and, and live uh, each moment to the fullest. There's a famous quote by Jim Elliott, that missionary martyr, and he said, Wherever you are, be all there. Live life to the hilt. 
And I love that. I love that. Wherever you are, be all there. Live life to the hilt. And I think behind that, and if you read some of um, his diaries uh, and some of the things that his wife Elizabeth has said about him and his attitude, about how he thought about life, he was a man who appreciated the shortness of life and, 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 and not knowing even how short it was. And so he was all in, and that's how we should be too. We should be all in. I'm serving the Lord with full energy now because I don't know if this is my last day or not. It's not something we can count on. And that means that time is all the more precious because we don't know how much we have left. And it's all the more important, therefore, that we make a good use of it while we're still able. You know, it's funny. We all kind of expect that we're going to live a long life, don't we? It's kind of your default thing, you know, you, you think, well, yeah, I'll be 80, 85, maybe 90. You should assume you're going to live to an old age. And a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't. I remember back when I was doing a campus ministry, we'd do evangelism on the college campuses. And I remember talking to this guy one time and I was sharing the gospel with him. And I remember thinking, this is going really well is I'm, I'm talking about Christ, I'm talking to him about his sinfulness, and he's agreeing with all of it. And, and so at the, I get to the end of this whole thing, and, and we've been talking for a while, and I say, hey, um, so you believe that, that you're a sinner before God? He said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, and do you understand that, that, that Christ is the only way to be forgiven for that sin and to, be, and to be considered righteous in the eyes of God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ? He said, yeah, yeah, I understand that. I believe that's true. I said, and this, and this is, this is necessary. You need to do this in order to be saved. Right. And he said, yeah, I get that. I said, why wouldn't you do it right now? He says, because I, I think I'm kind of planning on having a deathbed conversion. He used those exact words. He said, I'm planning on having a deathbed conversion. (laughs) I don't know where he heard that, but that's exactly what he said. And I said, you're planning on that? He says, yeah, you know, I just want to live my life right now. And at the, at the last moment, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll believe on Christ and, and then I'll be saved. I said, you know, you, you have no idea if you're going to live that long. And he said, yeah, I know, but, you know, I, I'm just having too much fun right now. That man was an absolute fool. I mean, I can say that, right? I'm not being mean. That was the most foolish thing I've ever heard. He doesn't know how short his time is. It's so precious and he wants to waste most of it and, and, and get a, you know, in the, in the fourth quarter with 10 seconds left on the clock, repent, throw Hail Mary and, and, and then be saved. I didn't get it. He didn't get it. Time is precious and we don't know how much we have of it. Then Jonathan Edwards gives a fourth and final reason why time is precious. He says, time is precious because once it's gone, it's gone. I mean, think about this. Money, possessions, all other natural resources that we've talked about, all those things can kind of be lost and recovered, right? Like if you had a bunch of money, you're a rich man, and you lose it all on a bad investment, you can, through hard work and and given enough time, you can make it all back. That's happened. People have done that before. But time is the only truly non-renewable, non-recoverable resource there is. Time wasted is truly wasted. It's gone forever. You can't go back to the, the trash bin and recover it. 
We have an allotted number of moments, and once each one is spent, it's gone forever. And so it is here that soberingly, Edwards writes the following. He says, if we have lived 50 or 60 or 70 years, or in your case, it might be 20, 30, 40 years, if we live that long and we have not improved our time, or as he means made good use of it, now that can't be helped. It is eternally gone from us. All that we can do is improve the little that remains. That's all we can do. Once it's gone, it's gone. And that's that's the sort of thing, I remember it was in, in John Piper's uh, book, uh, Don't Waste Your Life. He talks about that man who, who realizes he's wasted his life, and it's just horrifying right in the beginning. He's, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. I've wasted it. It was this old man. I've wasted my life. You don't want that. I don't want that for you. We must value time as precious and live our lives according to it. That is why this silly concept of Christian productivity, that's why I even talk about this, is is because we have to make the most of our time for God's glory. He's worthy of it. And it is to our eternal benefit that we do it, that we redeem the time for his glory, that we make the best use of it. We walk in wisdom that way. So, yes, that's the four points. Um, This should, though, right, it should fundamentally change how we view time and view our lives, the preciousness of it. It's so funny because we're so careful not to waste money. Most of us are. (laughs) But we fritter away time like it's of no value at all. You know, we spend an hour doing this, 10 hours doing that, you know, we binge a whole season of some show we're not even that interested in, just with our mouths open and a, and a string of drool rolling down our cheek. I want, to see, I want you to notice one more thing um, from Ephesians 5, and that's the end of verse 16. He, he appends to it a reason why we are to redeem the time. He says, because the days are evil. What's he mean by that? He means that there's an enemy. An enemy who would have us not invest our time for God's glory, but rather to, to waste it on worthless pursuits, on unwise living. And in many ways, this stage of, of the present evil age that we're in, it's the, one of the most deceptive of all. What, what I'm talking about is modern times, right? The, the days are evil, but modern times are so deceptive in regard to time. The temptations which would draw us away from a life well invested for Christ, it's not like overt idolatry at our local temple or something. It's not necessarily the the prostitute on the street corner or, or a life of wanton drunkenness. These temptations that we face, of course, the, the, those still remain, the temptation to sin, but the enemy has such a subtle craft for the modern man. The internet your smartphone, your social media, the video game console, Netflix, even a good book. Things which, which otherwise, are, there's, not, there's not necessarily something wrong with them. They're not sinful in and of themselves, but they can become this, this time sink for us. It, it, it might be for you the, the endless world of your children's sporting teams or the ever-important season of your favorite professional sports or college team. 
It can be the laziness of, of infinite repose, leaning back in your chair. Or it can be the busyness of workaholism. There are a million subtle, little, tiny ways in which Satan will tempt us not to make the most of our time, not to be wise in how we spend that precious resource. In my encouragement, my challenge to you and to myself is that we resist those temptations, that we consider daily the preciousness of time, that we remember that our lives are brief, but a hand breadth. We are but a vapor. And we will someday be out of time on this earth. And will be no more opportunities to improve that time. And that is why, for, for those of you who may be listening who don't know Christ, today is the day of salvation. Repent of your sin. Trust in Jesus Christ. Be forgiven. Be counted righteous in the eyes of God and secure for yourself on the merits of Christ alone, not on the good deeds you've done, but on him as the perfect life and the perfect sacrifice. Secure salvation. Secure an eternal inheritance. That's the best way to invest your time right now. Repent and believe. And for those who have done that, those who know Christ, this is not the waiting room for heaven, okay? We're not just hanging out here. There's work to be done. There's energy to be exerted. There's time to be spent, to be invested, not wasted for God's glory. Let's make the most of it and because he is worthy of it, isn't he? Jesus Christ is worthy of our time being invested for his glory. Well, as I noted a couple times already, I have a companion blog post um, for this podcast, which I'm going to link to in the show notes. I really encourage you to check it out. And even if you don't check it out, scroll to the bottom and get that PDF of Jonathan Edwards, the whole sermon that I just quoted a couple lines from. It's called On the Preciousness of Time and the Importance of Redeeming It. And read that thing. Um, so let's wrap up here. And, and let me let me close with a prayer from, from Psalm 90 and verse 12. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom.